Godfrey and Godric and Godwin, and you've got Radigan and Ranala and Rani and Rikerd <laughs> and Radon, and then you've got Merica and Mikola and Margit and Margit and Moog and Millennia and Mikella, and it's just like, all right, like you guys really like G. <laughs> R and uh, M names, and I understand why. I, I understand George R. R. Martin wrote it, and he he may have done that. Who knows? Or maybe they did it as an homage to him. I don't know. Maybe, but like, it does make things a little bit convoluted when you're like, "Hold on, who who are you, and what should I know about you?" Just as a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. The notes for what series might be popping up will be in the description. Hi, everybody, and welcome to, once again, another episode of Gaming Theater Podcast. Today's episode is Episode 5, where we're discussing naming conventions in fiction. Because there's a lot more to storytelling than just games and other things that we work with. To help me out in discussing this subject, I'm going to introduce a couple of friends that we might have talked to before. My name is uh, Leo, the Geek Scorpio. I'm Dane. I go by D and Dane on the internet, most places, and then other places, not so much. I'm Kyle, and I go by KBY. Great. Now, before we get started in exploring our, this uh, subject, let's go take a, bit, a trip to the Magical Merch Booth. Alright, so here we are back at the Magical Merch Booth. And right now, all they have is just, you know, basically not much. Man, this bard that's supposed to be watching this place really kind of drops the ball once in a while. He is the only one that's here, though. But, all he just left behind is just a bunch of signs that says, Come watch D&D on Twitch. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm a uh, Twitch affiliate streamer uh, over on twitch.tv slash Dane. That's D-A-N-D-D-A-I-N-E. Uh, and I stream Tuesdays, Thursdays, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time until about midnight when I have to feed my cat or he attacks me. Um, additionally, you can find me on TikTok at, at that same handle and on Twitter at Dane, D-A-I-N-E, not N-O-T, Dane, D-A-N-E. All right. I'll make sure there's some links for that in the descriptions and such. Yeah, but while we're waiting for that, the lines that are, looks like they're moving by. All right, let's get started with the episode. So with this, what we're kind of looking into is gaming theater was uh, we get to explore with different things that are video game and video game related. But in this particular spot, to me, video games are just another way of doing storytelling. And so this is one of the few places where we can actually explore that aspect of storytelling. A way some people do storytelling is when they have characters that are listed, that they have a naming convention. And if done right, a naming convention is mostly a shorthand for where how your world is, is processed for that, or how your world is designed. Like, if you want a big uh, difference in it, 
we use naming conventions here in the real world all the time. Different dialects, different names, different uh, styles of naming. It, it Some of them have different origins for themselves. Um, probably the best example for we, how we would use it in world building and storytelling would be probably going from uh, with ideas from one of the big names in world building and storytelling, and that's Tolkien. So Tolkien has different ways of naming his characters. Hobbits are named one way through the Shire, dwarves are named a different way, and uh, elves are named differently. Um, from what I could find in some of the research, every elf is given their name by their parent. And as such, a lot of those elves tend to have singular names. Elrond is Elrond. There is no other Elrond. One thing that I find interesting about that is that there is, and we, we're not sure what the etymology of this is, but there is a couple of instances in the notes of Tolkien that have differing people being, or different names for the same character or the same name for different characters. Um, I can't remember who off the top of my head. I'll, I will dig into that really quickly, but um, I believe there's an elf who's a very well-known elf in the Cimmerillion. Um, it's just been a hot minute and their name appears elsewhere in like a glossary uh, describing an event that this elf did not partake in, which I think is interesting. And we're not sure, obviously, because, you know, Christopher Tolkien and, and the rest of the Tolkien estate were compiling notes left behind by the, uh, the late, the great J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, we're not sure necessarily if it was like he wrote a note on a napkin uh, and then scrap that idea or change the idea, or maybe he was referring to somebody else, but the name was nearby. Like, we're not really sure why that is the case, but that is one of those instances that I do find a little bit funny. It's kind of hilarious, because, like, one of the big things is that he, is that Tolkien, you know, did names. He understood naming conventions and such. He, uh, it's one of the things he studied before he did, uh, created worlds like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Um, but, to the point is that they're named in very specific ways. Like, um, even if you've, even if your knowledge of uh, Lord of the Rings is simply, you know, having seen the move, uh, one of the three movies, you know, not not even the whole trilogy, um, you know, Legolas is Legolas. That's he's just the elf. That a Legolas. That's it. Then you have Gimli, who tells you his entire lineage when he says his name, because that's just how they present their names in dwarven culture. So their culture builds up to that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I did find it, it was, I believe it was Glorfindel. There was Glorfindel of Gondolin who died fighting a Balrog uh, as he was escaping the Elven city. And then there was another Glorfindel uh, who is an Elven Lord of Rivendell. And so it's kind of interesting to me that like that same name is, I mean, it's pretty, like you mentioned, they're, they're very unique names and not often used twice because that's what Tolkien did. Uh, so I, I just find that an interesting footnote there. Another type of naming convention that we, because Tolkien does his in the real world and we do have real world examples for that. Um, probably some of the most uh, interesting ones that are out there is um, in the West, we have a first name, middle name and a last name. Most of that, just like a lot of things in the West, his uh, in Western civilization comes from Roman, um, from the old Roman times. Romans would name their children in with a first name, middle name, and a surname, but they're named on that for 
funny enough, mostly for bureaucracy reasons. So your first name would that then be your common name. This is the one that you tell your friends for. Your last name is your uh, family name. So if you were, say, um, Leonidas, uh, your, uh, your last name was, I don't know, like um, some Roman last name. Why can't I think of one right now? Um, like Venice, Augustus. Augustus. Then you'd be Leonidas Augustus. And then when you would present yourself, you would present yourself with your middle name. But your middle name is more tied into a house or a clan. And in this case, for a lot of them, they're being pretty literal. The house of, uh, the middle name is the house of, uh, let's say, uh, Caesar. Okay, that's it's a bad example, but still. Um, so your name would be Leonidas Caesar Augustus. Now, because you're a house of Caesar, anything that belongs to the family or the property of Caesar, that's the house that they would that that they would find for you. That's you get into trouble. This is the uh, this is the uh, that's the house of the parents that we need to go talk to. So you wouldn't get a new middle name unless you would uh, re you are somehow removed from your family line for one reason or another, either by shame or by be uh by abandoning th uh the your family for one reason or another and so people with those middle names and those houses will just go on for a while another naming convention that we have which i always find was interesting is one that england used to do um back then when we did the possibility sort there was a line that we that we said which is important uh, in europe you would be hard pressed not to find a town with a blacksmith in it in English naming conventions, because especially during the feudal era, your naming convention would be your your first name is just your surname, and typically it would be something um, relevant to the church, uh, to Christianity. That's why you have so many people are named John, um, Michael, and various others. John, Michael, there's Three. more of Jacob, Ezekiel, uh, John, Jacob, Jacob, his name's my name too. Weird, oh, right? Really weird. Oh, <laughs> me too. Really? What are the odds? Uh, but a weird thing with that one is like their last name would be what your profession is, and that has to deal with um caste systems that they had. Your dad was a uh, was a blacksmith. Your dad's dad was a blacksmith. Your dad's dad was a blacksmith, and so on. And that's the Smith family. It's also one of the reasons why Smith is a, such a common last name because every, every town has a blacksmith in it. Well, and to kind of add on to that, uh, whether this is anecdotal or not, I can't say for certain, of course, but I do know that uh, when a lot of uh, people immigrated from other places to the United States, uh, some people's native names were a little bit difficult to pronounce for us uh, inbred hick Americans. And so I know that a lot of the time uh, they would choose a surname that was more readily pronounceable, I guess uh, I would say. So as an example, Smith or Jones or what have you. Uh, and so, like I said, I don't know if there's, I think there is a historical precedent for it, but I don't know. I haven't done the research to be honest, but in my experience, that is very much the case, you know, in my, doing my own genealogy research, uh, my family ironically came from a, a group of Smiths in in uh, blacksmiths in Europe, 
And they came over and they had a, a Norwegian name and it was impronounceable for the Americans who were living there at the time who mostly came from England. Uh, and so they were like, yeah, you're a Smiths now, which kind of works out, but yeah. yeah funny story with myself. My family name is still the same name as my middle name constantly. Now what happens is that, uh, we go by that entirety of our family's last name up until, uh, my father who changed his last name to my current last name, Garcia. And they did that just because it was, um, he had some weird accounting reasons for it. Like it didn't make, I'm like, all right, whatever. But we, if we, uh, if we, whatever wanted to, we still kept our, our original, our middle name. And we can trace that back all the way through Spain. If we want, if I wanted to go back through my genealogy. So there is a way to link that up. As a matter of middle names, uh, Kyle is my middle name. Um, turns out that, uh, a bit of a strange story. My name was changed without my mother's knowledge by my father. After uh, he took her down to the car, he went back in and added a first name that uh, wasn't wanted. Oh. <laughs> oh. I've, I've had friends as well, kind of but not yes. the same situation, but a similar one where they're called something as a first name, uh, but they choose to go by their middle name or vice versa, right? Hmm which I find interesting chosen names yeah. versus given names. Mm -hmm. And especially nowadays it's uh, since in the modern era, especially in the United States, it, the naming convention, as far as your last name and middle name tracing your family kind of gets in the wash a little mm -hmm. bit. It's not nearly as important as it was back then um, because uh, we had uh, better record keeping. So as such, a lot of people like, my nephew, their middle name is basically a name that my sister just wanted to name it, her child. And that was it. Just pick the name on there. And people can change their names all the time. So it made it. Yeah. And it's absolutely. not as big of a deal as it used to be. An interesting one is one from from Japanese naming conventions. Um, they have a weird almost like title system. Like you change your name partway through it in the ancient Japan. Yeah. I think it's. Okay. Well, so I, th I think it's interesting because there's a, a family name and then there's a given name, typically speaking, um, which is usually inherited patrilinearly, like, you know, our names are, our last names are, the family name is, um, which, you know, is interesting to me because you have two groups of civilizations who grew up completely apart from one another, and yet they do typically uh, follow similar naming conventions, the only difference being that they put their family name before their given name, um, which I find interesting. Yeah. I haven't honestly did a lot of the research on that one, but from my understanding for it, it's um, the naming conventions is sort of a, the, the big difference is um, in the East, it's more about title, whereas in the West, it's more about organization. Um, I say it like this. Because in the West, you're uh, more commonly going to be go with your first name, but that's because it's a common name. It's one that you're going to use through with, uh, with your friends and family and throughout. Whereas in the East, it was, especially back then, it was uh, more important for people to know who, what your title was. So it's more important for you to know them to know your family name so they know the history of your family. Whereas the other one, it's more individually, individually. Or it could be just someone picked it once and we sort of stuck with it. Yeah, and that's kind of 
not even considering like I know when you address others in the East, uh, specifically Japan is my where my wheelhouse lies. Uh, given names are not usually used outside of a restricted informal situation. Uh, so like the speaker needs to be very familiar with the other person uh, or if talking to someone of like a lower age or a lower status because they have a kind of a, a ranking system inherently built into their civilization. Uh, and then given names are also used to refer to as to children. So it's interesting that like they don't usually use their given names all the time. You know, like I, I go by Dane because uh, that's to me, that's my name. But at the same time, I, we don't really use like other chosen name. I, I don't use a chosen name or a nickname or anything like that usually. Uh, so that's, that's always been really interesting to me that the given name is only used in specific situations, but outside of that, it's not much. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's, uh, and as we do it through for the real world, we have weird singular names. Um, so names that are given as just one titled name. A lot of times we associate that with celebrities like Cher, Madonna, um, mm-hmm. Prince, Prince. Which is funny is uh, because they uh, Prince is an interesting story because his record label wanted to basically put a copyright on on the title Prince for the records, but except Prince didn't want to do that because that's his name, so he would basically have to pay them to use his own legally given name. So he changed the name to after they were they decided to push forward with this. He changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol. Which is why a lot of times you'll hear this uh, people refer to him as the artist formerly known as Prince because we physically have a symbol we can't say. Absolutely. Not to mention. To kind of. Uh, oh, I was going to say not to mention that uh, you kind of know you've made it if you've turned your name into a single syllable and everybody knows who you're talking about. True. Very true. Yeah, anyone who's goes by just their first name is uh, pretty incredible, really. I know for Madonna, like. Uh, they uh, when a record label wanted to pick her up really way back when, she's like they asked her what's her name and she's he said my name is Madonna and she gave her last name and they're like that can't be right. And so in order for her to be to start recording, she had to get a birth certificate to prove to everybody yes my first name actually is Madonna. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we also do singular names for things such as call signs. Um. Uh, you'll see hear that a lot in different, um, especially in uh, the military, especially with like Air Force. We'll do that, and you've seen it if you've watched like the movie Top Gun, Maverick, Goose, and call signs are a little different because a lot of times they're given to you, and it's usually ones that sort of relay your personality. Goose, for example, in in Top Gun is Mother Goose. He, he likes to keep an eye out on everyone. Iceman is cold, cool, and calculating. Everything he does is 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 flawless. And Maverick as well, he'll go on his own rogue because he's Maverick. Um, they also do that for things like hurricanes and other natural disasters. Uh, typically, only ones that are going to last longer than a day. I always thought it was weird that we name hurricanes. It's a strange classification system, but I guess you know if you name it. Somebody's going to know what you're talking about if you classify it with just a number and somebody references it later. They're really not going to remember it. Mm-hmm. I, w- I always wonder if that means, like, when we get to the point of actual space travel, 
though there's a name a numbering convention that's used for a lot of stars and planets. Are we just going to change them once we actually could come up with a real name for it? Planet Bob. <laughs> well, we do already name planets that way, but uh, Star Bob. Star Bob. So if you've noticed that these naming conventions tend to be ones that we can relate with. If you are uh, in, if you're in the Dark Ages and you need to find yourself a uh, baker to get some bread, look for the guy whose last name is Baker. He's probably a baker. And we also have other naming conventions to explain it. Now, if you're wondering why naming conventions are ex are important, if you're writing a set of fiction, um, naming conventions can be easily used to sort of shortcut your way through the fiction. So there's a whole lot of fictional examples for it. Um, one that I personally have, I, I've used for a tabletop role-playing game, and I named uh, each of my big bosses that my players had to uh, had to be named or had to go up against. Out, uh, uh, they were named after the, the zodiac symbols, so Scorpio, Virgo, Gemini, and it sort of gave them a hint of what the kind of boss it is. If they went after Scorpio, they know it's going to be scorpion-like. Probably has a poison attack. And if they had a Gemini, there's going to be two of them, and so on and so forth. And that's one way that I could, I applied it for myself. And so I never had to tell them, hey, you've got 12 bosses to deal with. They just know that there's 12. Well, some symbols in the Zodiac. I love that naming convention, by the way. I think that's really neat. <laughs> yeah, I like to put in a naming convention once in a while for different RP uh, tabletops. Kind of speaking of which, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, speaking, I guess, more recently, uh, I find the naming convention in the video game Elden Ring to be very frustrating, but also interesting uh, because you've got... Oh my god, hold on. Godfrey and Godric and Godwin, and you've got Radigan and Ranala and Rani and Rikerd <laughs> and Radon, and then you've got Merica and Mikola and Margit and Margit and Moog and Millennia and Mikella, and it's just like, all right, like you guys really like <laughs> G, R, and uh, M names, and I understand why. I understand George R. R. Martin wrote it, and he he may have done that. Who knows? Or maybe they did it as an homage to him. I don't know. Maybe. But, like, it does make things a little bit convoluted when you're like, hold on, who who are you, and what should I know about you? <laughs> you say Godric, and I think Godric Gryffindor, uh, mm, Harry yeah. Potter universe. Yeah, and there you go, right? There's another, like, you know depending on the con the conversation, you could misconstrue it to think, oh, we're talking about Harry Potter. And it's like, yeah, when he did this thing and turned into a dragon or whatever. And you're like, wait, hold on. What? <laughs> I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> I, I don't remember when that happened. I, I kind of need to know these. I always love naming conventions when, when you have long running series and they have a title for that's, that fits for the story. So like, um, supernatural, right? Ha like, I think it's mm -hmm. something like 70 or 80% of every episode is titled after a uh, classic rock song. Mm -hmm. Well, and they continue that naming convention forward with their aliases, don't they? Or it's like, um, um... Yeah, their aliases are usually the lead singer and the um, and the lead guitarist of a band. Yeah. Except for once when it was uh, Sam Raimi and, uh, and Bruce Campbell. And I got it. I laughed. 
<laughs> it made Dean really sad when he had to, because of circumstances in the show, he had to go by Smith and Smith. It made him, he's like, I could do better. So what's funny is that that's not the only one. There's other reasons for it. Uh, one of them I thought was interesting is uh, the show Friends had a naming convention of the one with and whatever the subject of the episode was. It's either Friends or Seinfeld, but it was... I didn't, uh, the writers didn't want to waste time making up a title for each episode. Fair. Fair. And they kept up. Uh, Scrubs has another one that's kind of interesting with that because, um, at the, the, the last season of Scrubs, uh, the medical, uh, comedy, um, it stops being about JD and starts being, uh, the main character and starts being about the students going through med school. Okay. And so the title of the episodes used to be for JD. It's my whatever, my like my daydream or my first uh, first uh, rounds, my whatever. And that's always because of JD. If the show episode ever takes place at JD is not the main character, like it's one of the side characters, it's their whatever, their story. I don't. Yeah, I don't like to think about that last season. If I'm being honest, nothing against anyone who was in that, but it just not not great, not the same. Wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you know it's weird. They only made seven of them. I heard they were talking about making an eighth season, but uh, I just I don't think it went anywhere. Yeah, I don't think that eighth season got. Or if, if they made seven seasons, six seasons. It's weird they only did six seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I missed out on the last season, and uh, I'm kind of hearing that it's a good thing that I did. <laughs> but yeah, in your fiction, you'll always have different naming conventions. One of my favorite ones out mm. there is from Zombieland. Each character in Zombieland is named after a city. That's not necessarily where they're from or <laughs> where they're going. They just pick a city name and go with it. It's kind of a sad reason for it, and it's that people did, uh, die left and right in Zombieland. And so because of the high death toll, it was easier to give them uh, a name after a city rather than their personal name because they're more attached to it. It's sort of, I don't know if you'll make it past uh, to midnight, let alone a week from now. I don't want to waste my time remembering your name. I'm just going to call you whatever city it is, San Antonio. <laughs> sort of a weird inverse version of it. If you ever played the, the it's the Ghostbusters, the video game, the one with all the actors in the video game. Uh, so it's hilarious because they got all the the game developer and the director wanted everyone to be able to react just like the actors in uh, just like they were making a, another Ghostbusters movie. So it had Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd and it, Ernie Hudson all reprising their roles. So when they introduce you, the character, which is the new guy on the on the on the team, they purposely do not give you a name. And your character has no lines in it, so it was an in-game excuse to have everybody not talk around you. That's the video game where I got to the uh, last stage before I realized you could actually upgrade your gear. <laughs> hey, I always liked it to think of it as uh, actually a bonus, a pretty cool thing, if a video game will let you succeed at it by screwing up really badly. Hard mode. <laughs> Man, this game is super hard. Did you upgrade? I what? XCOM 2 has an achievement in it for beating the entire game without up upgrading your guns once. I don't know how people do that. I'm not that good. Not that good. Not going to have it. Um, let's see here. So that's one of my favorite ones. Um, what's interesting for other 
and at this point, we're just talking some fictional naming conventions, but they're all kind of very important. Um, in Marvel, uh, they have a naming convention, in it, which is kind of an interesting one. They have two different ones, uh, or two different sets with a two different re with different reasons for it. Um, Spider-Man's villain uh, characters were always named uh, with an alliteration in mind. Stanley did that on purpose. So Peter Parker. Um, there was J. Jonah Jameson. Otto Octavius. Otto Octavius. And he named it that way because it was easier for him to remember it. Craven the Hunter. Wait. Mm. <laughs> not Craven the Hunter, but that's not one of his. <laughs> no, I, no, I know. I'm, speaking, I'm being dumb. <laughs> that also continues uh, with later, like Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it, for Stan Lee's purpose, it was, I'm making so many comics, it's easier for me to remember them if I put an alliteration for it. Um, for, but there's this weird sort of highlight in it, in and Marvel sort of explores it briefly, and it comes up once in a while. If you have a person who gets a set of superpowers, until they pick up a name appropriate to themselves, they have a chance of going back to a regular life. Mm -hmm. They bring it up in, in comics, it's like, uh, look, we can just talk to this guy. As long as he doesn't come up with a super villain name, we don't have to worry about him as a big problem. Oh, here comes the Juggernaut. Nah, crap. Kane <laughs> Marco. Yeah, it's just some guy. The Juggernaut, on the other hand. Ah, jeez. <laughs> you know, kind of uh, taking that into consideration, this is a, a brief aside, but one thing I find, always find really fascinating is the changing of names or the, the uh, reforging of an object to reflect... Uh, more so with a new name. So as an example, right, you've got Narsil, the long sword wielded, you know, in, against Sauron in Lord of the Rings, and it's broken, right? It's eventually broken. It's, you know, broken into pieces. They collect as many pieces as they can find, and they keep it on display until, you know, Strider slash Aragorn, that's another thing that's really interesting there. You know, he's going by a, a pseudonym at first. Uh, and he's Strider up until they reforge Narsil into Anduril, the Flame of the West. But even then, right? So, like, you've got the name Narsil, which has a connotation to it. You've got the sword that was broken, which is another name for that same sword, but it still has a different connotation. You've got Anduril. You've got the Flame of the West. Uh, you have the sword reforged. And each, depending on what you're calling it, each one of those means something a little bit different, even if it's referring to the same thing, in much the same way that Strider becomes, um, oh my god, all I can think of is Anduin, and that's not right. Um, what the hell is Strider's real name? Aragon. Sir Ar Aragon, thank you. Yeah, uh, Aragorn. <laughs> I was gonna say Ar Aragorn. Aragorn's, Aragorn. Sorry. Aragorn. Yeah, Aragorn. Aragorn's the dragon. Here, we're doing it, we're doing it now, we're mixing up names. Uh, <laughs> although, although Aragon does have naming conventions as well. That uh, Very true, very true. Names and, and uh, the true names of things are important to the magic system of that uh, series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's going to be like, man, they're tired of these fake nerd guys. <laughs> oh. But um, the X-Men also have a weird naming convention for it. It's considered a type of graduation. You have, you have powers. Yeah, that's one thing. But you have to pick, when you start understanding your powers, you pick your name. It works for almost everyone except for Wolverine. Wolverine gets his name sort of dropped onto him. And then, you know, I have to wonder if maybe, because so, some of those names are definitely given name. Like, Gold Balls did not choose his name. Yeah. Like, 
he, he's a character in Marvel. He spawns golden orbs. Uh, it sounds worse than it is. Mm. Yeah, you can't convince me that he woke up one morning and was like, I'm going to be called Gold Balls. <laughs> Somebody called him Gold Balls, and it's stuck. And I think that's actually part of the, the, the comic run he's in. Yeah. He's stuck with it. He just can't get his PR guy to change it. Yeah. He's like, Could I be called, like, you know, Sphero or something? No, nope, Gold Balls. Gold Balls it is. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't until I was talking to you, Kyle, a while ago, like, apparently Final Fantasy XIV has its own naming convention for all the races in there? Yes, and not just the races specifically, the, um... Oh, yeah. They they divide each one into, into two different groups, and the naming conventions can vary from group to group. Um, for example, the, the most human-like race, the Hur, uh, consists of the Midlanders and the Highlanders, and the Midlanders follow very much those, uh, medieval European names where they are associated with their profession, um, where the Highlanders have more Nordic or Germanic names. Um, one of the more interesting ones, recently it was revealed the Vieira race, who have rabbit ears. Um, they finally uh, revealed what the naming conventions are for them, um, which... Uh, I found fascinating is that they, they typically have two names, um, a forest name, because many of them spend their entire life in the forest where they're, where they're born, mm. um, and names for the city, um, which they often take those names. Um, so the, the forest name is their given name at birth, but the city name is names that they choose for themselves, and they'll often take the names of other races if they find them interesting. Um, and that actually also applies to both male and female Viera, because uh, at birth, the characteristics that determine male or female aren't actually there. Huh. That'd just be weird, though, right? Like, you're going to a town, you're like, you know what? I like San Diego. Call me Bill San Diego now. <laughs> Where in the world is Bill San Diego? <laughs> so, if you're wondering for a different sort of take in naming convention, a big one who has that all in the states is uh, Star Trek. Um, which I always loved Worf, for example, was a good example for this. While Worf is in, you know, DS9, and he's there in um, Star Trek Next Generation, you just know him as Worf. He has a whole naming con- name from... Klingon, but since he is he works for the Federation, he's just Worf. But like, if he ever has to deal with the uh, Klingons and he introduces himself, it's what is it, Worf, son of Mog, How, so, or son of Mog, House of Oh, I looked that up the other day too. Uh, Mog. Yeah, so it's Worf, son of Mog, House of Martok. Oh, uh, it was Martok. Like he has to give this whole thing. It's like a tribe called Quest. You say the whole thing. True. And in addition to that, because his son Alexander was raised on Earth, he has a human name, Alexander Roshenko, uh, which is the name of the humans who adopted Worf. Like, his name doesn't, he doesn't get his cool Klingon name, he just gets Alexander Roshenko. Then there is anyone who has, uh, who was Borg, or formerly Borg, they usually have their old distinction from it. Locutus of Borg. Locutus was the exception, though. Yes, it was. As were the rest were given designations well, based on uh, oftentimes how many were assimilated of, of, of a crew or something like that. And it's kind of a neat little 
shorthand for that one. One that I always thought was really interesting for it is uh, Halo and Neon Genesis Evangelion. So the game Halo, and at least the first game, and Neon Genesis Evangelion have the same or have a similar naming convention that they name things after biblical terms. Um, some of them get pretty deep in it. In Neon Genesis Evangelion, at some point, they have to deal with a computer virus attacking a bunch of their servers. And each of the major servers are named after the three wise men. Um, Halo, the game, has a bunch of them all over the place, if you look for it. Um, like, Master Chief's name is John 116, uh, uh, I think it is. His name is Master Chief, obviously. His name is Master Chief, you know, like Metroid and Zelda. Yeah. I need to brush up on my Halo lore. John 117. Yeah, John 117. It's a passage in the Bible. And obviously the Halos are just named Halos. The Covenant is a religious term as well. But they take their terminology from that. And Neon Genesis Evangelion does the same. They take their, their uh, what is it, the first Ava, uh, Ava that there's out there is Adam. I think uh, so. From my understanding, and, and Evangelion is a very yeah, it's a it's a different sort of anime. Unusual. <laughs> it's, a, um, it's a different sort of anime. Adam was the first angel that brought about the second impact, which uh, killed a lot of humanity off. But then each of the following um, enemies of humanity as it were are called angels and they are named as such so they're each named after angels adam was the first one there's sachiel shamshel ramiel and they all kind of follow that same sort of naming convention lance longinus is in that show as well yeah i think eve is mentioned eve is mentioned uh lilith oh lilith yeah, Lil- oh, maybe that's what I'm right. Thinking. But yeah, so they throw them. So it's not just a thing in the West. Um, probably the funniest or the most familiar one is um, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. It's kind of fun uh, uh, when those names translate because in Japan, when they have the, the anime, they don't their names are still the same in Japan as they are in the United States. Right. So it. So here's a fun fact with the anime. Back in the 90s and the 80s, when they were doing a lot of the translations to go move anime from Japan into other countries, they would change their names uh, a lot of times to fit those uh, those countries. Um, nom de plur, make it easier for to understand. Um, Sailor Moon's an example. Yeah, Sailor Moon's an example. Like except for Amy. Amy actually is Amy. It's just spelled with, with differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for no reason. But, I mean, for no reason. I guess they thought it was easy enough for American audiences. <laughs> oh, so we'll just change it here. But yeah, they had a Japanese name, and then they had, uh, which is their regular name, and then they had their American name. The main character, Usagi, um, in, Jap- in Japan was renamed to Serena, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Darian. I don't remember Darian's Japanese name. I want to say Mamoru, but I don't think that's right. No, that is right. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mamoru Chiba. I mean, Tuxedo Mask. He'll, he'll pop up and then leave again. My job here is done, but you didn't yeah. do anything. <laughs> Throws a rose and, and then disappears. disappears. But yeah, so they would change their names and such. In But they didn't do that with um, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. When they came over, Goku was Goku. 
That was it. Which is kind of weird the first time. So, because I'm of Mexican descent, so Goku's wife's name is Chi-Chi. So I'm like, why do they keep calling her boob all the time? Because mm. <laughs> boob, Chi-Chi is a slang for boob, for breasts in, the, in Mexico. And I'm like, and this guy's name is Piccolo. Well, that's just kind of a cop-out, really. <laughs> he doesn't even play a Piccolo. Where is this Piccolo of his? Yeah, I find it interesting that they're, uh, the majority of the cast is named after food. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Gohan being rice as an example. Uh, there's the Ginyu Force. They're all named after mm-hmm. dairy products. Um, Frieza, Cooler, King Cold, all very on the nose. Mm-hmm. Raditz, Kakarot. Bardock, which I think is a root. Yeah, Bardock is a root. Vegeta is just vegetable. Mm-hmm. What about King Vegeta? That's a, that's a really good vegetable. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's product placement what that one is. True. <laughs> it can't help but wonder what the uh, impact would have been had they actually translated the names for the English release. Would they be as memorable? I don't know, and I don't think that so. Um, so, uh, Lupin the Third got translated, uh, had a weird translating convention, because when Lupin the Third came to the United States, they titled it as Lupin the Third. However, and this is just a weird one, because even though his name is Lupin, and Lupin is a name we recognize, because it's French for wolf, when the dub came in, everyone would stop, or the dub was would dub him as Wolf, even though his name's in the title. They actually had to redo the the dub a second time, like when they did a re-release, because they screwed because they realized that they just someone just mistranslated it, called him Wolf the entire time, and that's not his name. It's also his last name, which I think is interesting. Arsene or Arsene Lupin the Third. I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. I'm sorry oh, yeah. for any of our French speakers out there, but uh, <laughs> I know it's Arsene Arsene Lupin. <laughs> Arsene Lupin. Firewolves. That's how you get a firewolf. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, one thing that's kind of interesting for those of you who were around in the the early '90s uh, for the different types of dubs. You know, we had things like Four Kids, who did a bunch of censoring and changing and that sort of thing. Uh, and that was kind of what was done at the time. Uh, so the Usagi to Serena transformation uh, very obviously is was one of the more egregious, I would say. But I think it's interesting that depending on what sort of... So uh, I know I know there's a whole debate on subs versus dubs. I'm not going to go into that right now. But I find it interesting that in the dub of a lot of anime, which is how we figured it out in the West before we, you know, where they had the translation uh, technology that we mm. have these days... Uh, you would oftentimes, I mean, I remember seeing the oceanic dub of DBZ and the voices sounding nothing like the English dub, uh, or, or the, the, uh, oh my God, I can't remember the other term for it. They had different, there was differences in the dubs and that included, but was not limited to character voices, character names. Uh, I remember there's a show called Madoka Magica and, Four, which is a very dark show. It's a very dark, magical mm-hmm. girl show. And Four Kids allegedly was considering, or maybe they actually went through with it. I, don't, I haven't followed up on it. But they were going to make a Four Kids dub of Madoka Magica, the show that is a very dark, magical girl show. Huh. Uh, and they were going to call it Magical Molly. And it was going to be this show about friendship and, you know, being a, being a magical girl, you can, like it legitimately, you can Google it. Uh, it's, it's an <laughs> actual thing. And I cannot imagine for the life of me because of what goes on in that show. I, 
I don't, I don't know how you would do that. Like, I, I kind of hope it exists. Uh, I won't lie. I'm, I'm very curious how that would have turned out. Yeah, because I saw the whole series of that. I'm like, what did you do? Get to 75% of the first episode and quit? So this, allegedly, this is from the 4Kids Fanon fandom wiki. So it says, Magical Molly is a TV sh- series distributed by 4Kids Entertainment and Shaft. The series is the second English dubbed version of the popular anime series. Uh, first 4Kids series targeted towards an older kid audience rather than children due to dark series and fantasy themes. Uh... <laughs> Nailed it. Older. That'll save us. They've dropped the license in 2013. But uh, Molly Kelly, a normal schoolgirl's life, turned upside down when she meets Kyubei, an alien from outer space who can grant wishes for any girl. But a magical girl called Hilda is trying to stop Molly to make a wish on Kyubei. Which is not at all the plot. Not at all. The first three episodes are family-friendly due to censorship. (laughs) But apparently the last second half is dark and somewhat serious. <laughs> we just we just hold it at the, till the end. Hold it. I just yeah, so like that's a Oh. I just find it, I think that's really fascinating because there's somebody out, possibly somebody out there who has seen Madoka Magica and not realized that it's Madoka Magica that it's in fact magical Molly to them. And that change is so interesting to me. It's like they saw the first episode or, or the uh, maybe even the second episode and it's like, wow, this is really good. Girls are really like this. Hey, and then they bought the license and then, uh, yeah, once you get to like fourth episode. Yeah. <laughs> then it all goes downhill from there. You did say it is spoiler heavy, right? Because I could oh, yeah. spoil that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get the license and then all of a sudden somebody gets their head bitten off. <laughs> Hey, you Japan, just... can I borrow your homework? Yeah, just change it a little bit so <laughs> nobody knows. Actually, funny you should mention that, because uh, I wanted to mention real quick ghost stories. Oh, yes! Uh, yes. The dub of that, that could be an episode in and of itself. Um, the only uh, stipulation is that they couldn't change the names of the characters, and they couldn't change how the ghosts were exercised in the end. Aside from that, they were given total creative control over what the character said, and it is fascinating. <laughs> it, it is so fascinating because I've seen the episode, of, uh, some of those episodes in Japanese with a dub, with a sub, and I've seen them in the United States with a dub, and wow, that is a world of difference. It's one of those things you kind of have to experience. Ghost Stories is hilarious. I think there's episodes of it up on uh, YouTube. I think so. Check it out if you're bored. It's it's so good. It's they so good. They made it intentionally uh, offensive, so yeah, a bit of a disclaimer it's, there. It is crass. If you want friendly, friendly, do not, do not do that one. <laughs> it is amazing. It is crass. Yes, that's ver- no, but it is hysterical. But yeah, so like that's sort of the important thing with naming conventions. You kind of have uh you whatever you work with you have it for different reasons sometimes it's a shorthand sometimes it's uh we started this uh naming him after these things and we're just going to keep on trucking this way there used to be a na- uh sort of an in joke for a lot of uh shows and such as uh there we have the one steve rule you have one character named steve that's it nobody else can have that name and it makes sense if you have a show just because you don't want to have to that's Steve. That's also Steve. That's Steve there. 
when they do do that, it's uh, oftentimes is like a single throwaway joke too. Um, I'm trying to think of any examples of that, but uh, like I can't. Um, like when they have it, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Ah, oh, that's a good there's one, actually. More than, there's more than one Scott, uh, one Scott in the show in the movie, and in the comic eggs too. There's more than one Scott. Uh, but the uh, but they only show up for like a minute and they leave. Um, another fun naming convention is I think Gundam has some of them, or at least Gundam Wing does. Uh, Gundam Wing definitely. Um, each of the pilots is well a number more or less with their name, um, just with different languages. Uh, Hero Duo uh, Troa Catra and. Uh, Wufei. Oh, yeah. Because uh, there's five of them, right? Uh, correct. Five of the main character Gundam pilots. Um, another one that's kind of an interesting one, Batman has... Uh, not even Batman, just DC in general, especially during their Gold and Silver Age. Uh, whatever they named the villain is sort of the theme for their entire vil- villainry. Penguin was always going to go after things that were bird-like. Two-Face would go after anything but the number two. Um, and then you have Lex Luthor, which is just whatever Lex Luthor wants to do. That one's not so much a a, a naming convention as Lex Luthor is a regular person's name, so he does he does he just wants money, and he has it too, and he has the money. He doesn't need said money. This is more confusing. Why are you doing these crimes? Lex Luthor store, stole forty cakes, and that's just terrible. I just sometimes I just think he's just stealing them just to be you know a troll, like. I can fight Superman, but I also am going to steal 40 cakes while I'm at it. Um, DuckTales and the DuckTales universe. Everything has to be a pun for it. Um, but I have to give them kudos for it. Uh, they go ham with their um, duck puns in that. Um, let's see. Another good example. Uh, there was Gargoyles as well. Gargoyles, yes. Gargoyles takes a different sort of take on it and... What's interesting is their naming convention is in-universe a proper naming convention for itself. Um, So, for those who haven't watched the show Gargoyles, Gargoyles do not have a name. They they always look so distinct that they just sort of never bother to put any names to them. The only Gargoyle that actually has a name for years is Goliath, and that's just because he's the leader of the gargoyles we need to call him something and since he he has an alliance with the with the with the humans castle that they're that they live in they make that uh he they he allows them to give him a name uh, they actually reference that in the show too um uh, where uh, sort of a vision of the past when uh, a human child is asking the, one of the gargoyles at the time who ha- has no name at that time um so what do you call each other, friend? And that's it. He just leaves it at that. I think that's Brooklyn. Yeah, it was Brooklyn. That he talks to. Yeah, but when they get to the modern day, by modern day, 1996, um, when they get to the modern day, uh, to the modern era, the Gargoyles then decide, basically, there's so few of them left that they just want to change it up, and they want to take a name, and most of them take a name from a portion of, a part of the city. Bronx, Brooklyn, Broadway, uh, Broadway, Lexington. My favorite is Hudson. Hudson does it because he's just like 
he loses an argument <laughs> because he goes up to Lisa Mazda and she goes, hey, we don't need names. Do you have names for the sky? Do you have names for the river? Uh, the river is called the Hudson. Fine. <laughs> but then there's other ones because they're, they're tied so much into Shakespearean that a lot of names come in from different Shakespearean plays. It's like the weirdest thing that I always love that that they sort of slide in that Shakespeare may be more of a historian than he is a, a, a fictional writer in that in that world. Right, right. More historian, because it turns out that it's not so fiction after all. Yeah, there is a puck. There is a, one of this, the ones that they go up against is Macbeth. Um, in addition to that, uh, one of the gargoyles is uh, bestowed a name by the humans because they're hunting her, which is Demona. She was given that name to obviously demonize her. It's pretty on the nose there. Yeah, very much on the nose. I was on there. Um, what's funny is that, and this is in later seasons, Goliath's daughter shows up, and her name is just Angela. Just kind of a regular name in comparison to everyone else's. But she's named from uh, all the gargoyles there get names because... Uh, and at some point, Goliath and his crew are the last remaining gargoyles, save for a bunch of eggs. But they know that they cannot, they get put into a curse that prevents them to from waking unless the, I think the curse go, is, literally states, they are not to waken unless the castle, has, uh, their home is in, is in the sky, or something like that. No, it's, their home is above the clouds. And so when they do this, they have a, uh, he knows that these eggs need to be washed over, but he can't do that because he's going to to self-sacrifice himself and and make sure that the castle gets abandoned by leaving the gargoyles permanently in stone. So they take the, the, the princess of the castle, uh, decides to take care of all the, all the eggs, and she takes them with him to Avalon, a place so where they know that they will be safe. But time doesn't work the same way in Avalon, so time moves a lot faster in Avalon than it does on on um on Earth. And so by the time uh Angel uh the first time he meets his daughter, it's really just the egg and even he doesn't the daughter and they don't even know who's related to who because they look so different. Um but by the time uh he go, uh Goliath uh, goes back to goes to Avalon, they have um Angela's I think 18, 19 years old. Something like that. Um, Early 20s? I'm not 100% sure it's been ages since I've seen it. I need to watch it again. It's been ages. She's old enough to be... Uh, so she's the same age as some of the other gargoyles that are there. Except for Goliath and Hudson. Hudson, at this point, is probably the oldest uh, gargoyle that's still alive. But she gets a regular name because all the gargoyles that hatched from these eggs uh, the princess gave each one of them regular, um, regular Christianity names, which makes sense because she's from Scotland. Also, um, at some point, I am going to do an episode on magical, on magical conventions and such. But that's a different. Uh, or magic systems. Magic systems. Gargoyles is always a weird one because technically, if you're bl- if you have uh, if you're blind or deaf, you're immune to most magics. Kind of interesting that way. Mm-hmm. Um, those are sort of the big naming conventions. There's only one other one that I always find interesting is when someone just sort of picks a name just for for the fun of it. Um, we mentioned it before in Supernatural. Dean and Sam, when they have a fake alias, there's always a band member that they're, that they're doing. Um, right, right. In the show Leverage, in the first season, 
um, one of the characters, I'm trying to remember his name, but he's the mastermind in Leverage. He would name himself after Doctor Who actors. Rusty Shackelford. <laughs> and then you have Rusty Shackelford, which is a whole... Oh. I just love that there actually is a Rusty Shackelford. There is no Rusty Shackelford. That's just a name he or- he uses when he wants to order pizza. Oh, no, I gotta go to the hospital. Tell them that my name's Rusty Shackelford. That guy has better insurance. It's, his name is Nathan Ford. That's it. Uh, he's from uh, Leverage. Nathan Ford will usually pick the aliases that are Doctor Who character, uh, actors. So Tom Baker, for example. But yeah, so they these are some of the naming conventions on it. Uh, I think that's... The other one that I loved is Mass Effect has a naming convention. Basically anything space-related. The reason, why, the main reason why your character's name, the main character in Mass Effect's named Shepard, is in reverence to Alan Shepard, the first American in space. Or you have Miranda, named for the planet Miranda in uh, uh, Serenity slash Firefly, and so many others are like that. But I can't think of the other ones off the top of my head. Do you have any other ones that you can think of with weird naming conventions and such? <sighs> Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, although when it comes to Mass Effect, I was a fan of Rex. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a simple guy. He's a simple guy. Shepard, Rex, that and Blasto. I, I'd love to watch the Blasto trilogy. <laughs> and then when Blasto gets his new partner. So with that being said, um, any kind of final thoughts on that? To me, the big important thing is that if you're going to go with a naming convention, stick with it. Don't don't chicken out on it. Don't don't mess with it halfway. Just stick with it. Go go hard into your naming conventions. Have fun with it. And have fun with it. There's fun naming conventions. I think they uh, where the state that Ducktales takes place in is like Calisota. Uh, I don't remember the state name. I do remember certain uh, cities being named. Obviously, Duckburg, Cape Suzette. Yeah. Um, though that's. Partially, you know, crossing over with another cartoon. But yeah, that's about it for this episode. Our next episode that will be coming out will be on May 20th. And we hope to see you there. This is Gaming Theater Podcast with another EXP boost. And Gaming Theater Podcast, logging out. Thank you all for having me, and I will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is a drinking game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some financial support to help with producing things for Gaming Theater, you can do so at Patreon.com slash Gaming Theater Presents. It helps us out. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.